You got pretty much everything you were after tonight. You get a 40-point game from Giannis. Brooke Lopez even drops 30. You're able to stifle Zion Williamson with Drew Holiday as a primary defender. Of course, Joe Ingles comes back and plays his first game. And then you get Marjon Bochamp starting as well. I don't know what else you could want from a Milwaukee Bucks basketball game, but we're going to break down the Bucks win over the Pelicans right now. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, the popcorn munching founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who we know that this man loves Giannis and he is following Giannis's lead by also uh, eating a whole bunch of popcorn. But this was a fun one, Frank. The Bucks win at 128 to 119. I already mentioned you get 42 from Giannis, 30 from Brooke Lopez. In many respects, the defense might have been the story of this game, though, particularly in relation to how they attacked Zion Williamson in this game and restricted him uh, to only 18 points in this game on 7 for 16 shooting. But overall, longest road trip of the season getting underway here. We know they've got a difficult stretch, so I think this has to be uh, classified as a pretty good win uh, on both at both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, uh, ended up getting a bit closer than you would have liked in down the final stretch, I think. Yeah. Was it like one ten ninety four at one point, and then Zion had a little bit of a, a hot stretch where you really began to see him playing with force, and the Bucks I think weren't able to gang tackle him as well as they had earlier. And um, you know, I, I think though down the stretch, I think there were a number of examples where, and, and Marcus Johnson on the broadcast made the comment of like, you know, kind of like they were going to see what what Zion was made of down the stretch, and I think there were a number of occasions where he kind of got a little too wrapped up in trying to beat mm. the Bucks scheme and, you know, just sort of bar- trying to beat the barricade the Bucks had set up around the rim and um, ended up missing some shots and, you know, ended up giving away some possessions that, that I think were, were pretty costly. And cause, cause that's the thing. I mean, the first half, I mean, it's crazy to look <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas, 37 points, 18 rebounds, five assists in tw- 37 minutes. Um, you know, he, he was seven of 10 from three. I think he was six of eight in the first half as the Bucks, you know, had clearly made the decision that they were not going to, um, you know, basically they were basically going to say, we're going to take Zion away. We're going to basically focus on disrupting Zion's ability to get to the rim. And if that means Jonas Valanciunas getting three point looks, then we'll live with that. And Jonas Valanciunas was fine with that. He had a monster first half. Giannis had a monster first half. I think, did both guys have, I know Giannis had 26. I think Valanciunas was right around that same amount. And, um, you know, I think there were some, let's just say Bucks making some tactical decisions all night long. They basically said, you know, first it was, Brooke, you're going to be on Valanciunas, but we want you to help out on Zion. Um, I think we saw, a lot, I think we've seen in the past, a lot of times Brooke has been the, the one-on-one defender against Zion and has not had the same success that obviously we saw tonight. So I think tonight the plan was Drew Holiday, use his all-world defensive skills 
to pressure the ball anytime Zion had it, used his grows great hands, poked the ball away, whether he was, you know, 70 feet from the basket or 20 feet from the basket, and then have Brooke and Giannis lurking behind to to protect the rim. And that meant that Jonas Valanciunas was getting a lot of open looks in the first half. In the second half, we saw a lot of Giannis uh, defending Valanciunas, which really took away the threes. He only made one out of two in the second half. But Herb Jones was then found himself wide open uh, for, for long stretches. He was two of eight from three as the Bucks kind of all night also were sort of daring him, whether it was Giannis or, or Brooks. So it, definitely a little bit of cat and mouse defensively with the Bucks uh, tactically against uh, the Pelicans. And, um, you know, ultimately, as you said, Zion 18 points on 16 shots, five turnovers in 40 minutes. And that's about as good a job as you're going to do defensively. And then you look on the other end, uh, even though Valanchunas had the monster night, Brooke Lopez didn't quite match him in terms of, of points, but you know, 30 points on 17 shots from Brooke. He was a plus eight in 35 minutes. And Giannis, uh, 42 points, did most of that damage from the line. I think he was only two for four from the field in the second half, uh, but 17 out of 22 from the foul line. Did miss some shots or some free throws in the fourth quarter, but you know it seemed like at worst he was kind of splitting his his free throws. So as the as the Pelicans were coming back, you know that's always the worst, right? When you you get a foul, kind of slow the game, take some of the air out of the game, and then the crowd gets into it, trying to throw off the free throw shooter Giannis. In so many so often is the case, and you know if you miss two, it can be really deflating and energizing for the other team. And Giannis was at least able to avoid those types of situations as he just you know, really kind of picked and chose his way, attacking the rim, getting easy stuff in transition on his way to 42 points in a, let's just say a very nice bounce back from a few kind of off kilter games before he sat out the, uh, the previous game over the weekend. So, um, so definitely a nice, nice effort from Giannis and um, you know, Drew holiday though. I mean, this game gets down to a three point game and Drew holiday, you'd have to check the timestamp on it. Was it like a minute and a half or something like that? Um, I don't know if it was a good shot, but it was a, uh, you know, this is, this is my house, Smoothie King Center. This is my home. I'm coming back. I'm checking to make sure that, you know, the new tenants are uh, keeping everything in order. And oh, by the way, I'm going to just shoot a little step back three early in the clock. I think it was pretty early in the clock. Buries that three to make it go from three, three to six bucks, get a stop. And then on the other end, you, you kind of wonder, were they going to try to run clock instead Drew hits Brooke Lopez in sort of a secondary transition type action and Brooks able to go up strong and finish. I think it was over Valanchunas to get the lead back to eight. And from there was, that was pretty much it um, in a game that, as you said, I think is a really nice win. No Chris Middleton for the Bucks, no Brandon Ingram for the Pelicans. So both teams not at, a, at full strength, but I mean, this has been a really good Pelicans team this year. It's a really good crowd. And, you know, we saw a week ago when the Bucks went against a, a really good young team that, you know, probably looked at the Bucks in, in Memphis. You know, Memphis, I think, looked at the Bucks and said, hey, we want to show these guys supposedly one of the top two teams. We want to show them what we're made of. And they kicked the crap out of the Bucks. And I was a little curious, what were the Bucks going to look like tonight in a similar situation on the road against a really good young team that has some real physical type guys down low and obviously a much better uh, result today. And I thought the Bucks played, you know, pretty consistently over 48 minutes, right? Obviously it wasn't the blowout. It maybe could have been after they got um, that double digit lead in the second half, but again, took care of business and a good way to start the road trip. Uh, it was. And I actually watched the first five minutes of this game because I was 
just a couple of minutes behind. And I've said this before, but for some reason, I don't know. Anyway, League Pass stuff. So I had the New Orleans announcers on and they are awesome, by the way. Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels. I think they're they're among the better crews in the league, in my opinion. And uh, they love Drew. So they spent the first five minutes of this game like, we love Drew, what a guy he is, what a player he is, underrated, all that stuff. I think everyone in New Orleans universally loves Drew Holiday. But then I did think, I want to listen to the call when he hits the dagger because at that point you're like, come on, man. We, we Look, we love you, but do not hit the dagger against us in this game. You're right. It was an absolutely huge shot. Uh, I want to get into the game for Giannis uh, a little bit more because, you know, as we mentioned, we spoke about the game in Memphis where they had the big bodies and the Bucs didn't really seem like they were up for the fight. That's not all that common with this team. But tonight, when you have the battle between Zion and Giannis, Giannis was an absolute bully in this game. And the Pelicans probably don't have the bigs defensively. It's fair to say that the Grizzlies do. Uh, but I still still think it was a statement. A couple of cool plays that I want to get to. But uh, my laptop is about to die and I've got to get this ad read out because I will forget about it. So I want to talk about our friends at Turo who have been sponsoring us for a while now, and it's the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want whenever you want it from a community of local hosts. There has a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, almighty Australia. Shout out to Joe Ingalls. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You want to test out an electric car, you can do that. Luxury cars, whatever you need, they've got it at Turo, and many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Also, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast uh, with uh, Peter Bukowski, who I assume right now is a little busy with the uh, Packers game, but he'll be doing Locked On Sports Today, so you can listen to that after you're done with Locked On Bucks. So, Giannis... Puts up another 42 and 10 game, 12 or 17 from the field. He knocked down a quick trigger three from the left wing, which is a semi transition, but he was feeling good about it. For the most part, he was 17 for 22. It's uh, pretty good from the free throw line, I should say. Had to overcome a commentator curse from Lisa Byington, who made sure that everyone knew that he hadn't missed the shot and Marcus called him out straight away. But let's just talk specifically about. Well, the Joe Ingles Elliot, I want to get to that. That was cool. We'll talk about Joe Ingles a little bit later in this podcast. But the Marjon Pochamp lob to Giannis in transition was so cool because Bochamp kind of got himself stuck. And he didn't know whether he was going to flip this ball towards the rim or he was going to come down and it was going to be a travel. And it was almost like Giannis just decided, I'm jumping in the air and you're going to see me and just give it, put it anywhere near me. He basically leapfrogged. Grand Theft Alvarado in the process and gave him a nice little knee in the shoulder blade on the way through. Uh, this was a very cool... We see a lot of cool Giannis lobs, but this one from Bochamp to Giannis was pretty high on the cool factor. Yeah, my dog Dudley here has has some thoughts on this on this play, but uh, that was one of the like shortest alley-oops you're going to find because I, I think yeah. Marjan was like five feet from Giannis by the time he kind of chucked it up at him. And... Um, it was almost, I don't know, it was like a volleyball spike. You know, it was just like he was he was going up and caught it and, and it was, you know, nerf hoop time for Giannis. And, I mean, he had a couple plays in, in this game that, um, you know, I mean, this is one of the fun parts about watching Giannis, obviously, is on the road. There's always, 
some Bucks fans slash slash Giannis, yeah, NBA JMLU from MG in the comments. Um, there's always some Bucks fans, obviously, and even if it's not a you know a, a vocally um, you know pro Giannis crowd or anything like that, he'll make some plays where, yeah, just as, <laughs> as a fan of basketball, you just sit back and you say, "Whoa!" And there's like that ooze and ahs from the crowd. That was one, and then in the fourth quarter, I think it was early in the fourth quarter, um, Bucks running. I think it was a, a was it was a Pat and Drew on a pick and roll or something. Um, Drew had kind of some kind of screen action on the right side, kind of right uh, right wing, and starts to drive. And Giannis makes that you know you know like the kind of the Wade cut far corner, mm-hmm. um, cutting in towards basically sort of the elbow. And Herb Jones was on him, kind of fell asleep for a moment. I, I'm trying to remember if I've seen Giannis make this exact cut. I mean. You're used to seeing this type of kind of like a V cut from the from the wing when a guy's like under the basket or a guy's driving to the paint. He's kind of shovels it back to Giannis, but that was an example where you know he just made a, a, a cut and or cut and caught the ball. And Herb Jones kind of read it, but then you know once Giannis caught the ball, it was over, and he just you know went up for just absolutely monster one handed slam, just violent um, force uh, dunking that ball, but. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, and then he, he, and then he, by the way, we need to mention. I mentioned this in our DM, but he he looked like a, a a man that a bit of a gym junkie hanging around in the airport terminal. He started walking around with two huge suitcases after he after he slammed <laughs> that ball down. It's like Giannis, it's a timeout. You can put the suitcases down, my friend. But that was a, that was a fun duck. Yeah, I think Willie Green had the timeout called like as the ball was going through the net. Um, it was like an instant timeout as yeah. the Bucks were were kind of you know. You know, again, kind of getting a little bit of separation there um, at the start of the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I mean, obviously just he has had some wobbles here over the past couple of weeks. He sits out the Saturday game against Utah, which, by the way, I was kind of bummed about. Um, there you go. Nathan in our comments was there live. Um, oh, wait. Oh, no, you're here. I, I thought Nathan was saying he was at the game. Even better. Okay. Oh, I'm right, at the Smoothie better. King Center. This is where you who, want to be. <laughs> who wants to see Giannis score 42 and a Bucks win on the road when you can uh, be be watching us talk <laughs> about it uh, on YouTube? Yeah. Uh, welcome, Nathan. But <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was it was one of those fun plays and um, and yeah, I mean, he only I think the, he hit another kind of driving layup and one early in the fourth quarter. But other than that, like I said, I mean, he barely actually got any official shot attempts in the second half. He was, I believe. Um, I believe he was 12 for 17 from the free throw line in the second half, which is obviously just a crazy number. I think they said on the broadcast, I think Lisa said his, his season high in free throw makes was I think 13 before this. So he had almost that number in the second half alone is again, the Pelicans just kind of, you know, couldn't do a whole lot other than foul. And um, I thought it was interesting in the first quarter, I think he got fouls on Zion and Valanchunas, I want to say. And so they kind of needed to think about, or maybe, or maybe it was against Herb Jones, but I know Herb Jones was kind of battling foul trouble. He was on Giannis for a lot of the night. And, you know, I think I probably would have liked to see a little more of Giannis um, in the post, in the post against Herb Jones. Uh, there was a lot of Giannis kind of bringing the ball up, getting inverted screens, trying to, you know, drive, getting a screen from a little guy. And sometimes it was getting a screen from, from Brooke as they were trying to get uh, Zion isolated on Giannis. And, it was just kind of hard because, again, given Giannis is not a threat to, to pull up and shoot uh, in those screen situations, if you don't attack him right away, guys can usually kind of recover, and, and Herb Jones is, is very good at that. So, so yeah, I mean, again, even without getting 
many shots up. He still scores, you know, 26 in the first half, another 16 in the second half. And in the fourth quarter, 13 points. And again, I think he took like two or three shots from the field technically in the fourth quarter. He had that one kind of glory hunting three attempt um, in the last few minutes. That probably wasn't a good idea that he missed, but Bucks did get an offensive rebound. Um, but yeah, I think it was uh, all in all, you don't even really care that much about how you get the result against a team like New Orleans came in this game, 18, 11, 12 and three at home. I think they were coming to this game. Um, you know, any, any win will do. And uh, obviously in the end, nine point win, maybe, I don't know if that's flattering or not Kane, cause it was comfortable for a long stretches of the game. And then the Pelicans did a nice job kind of battling back CJ McCollum, who's really struggled early ended up actually with 31 points on 24 shots. So he actually ended up having a nice game, nearly a triple double, but they really had to ride those guys. I mean, CJ played 41 minutes. Zion played 40 minutes. How many, I'm curious how many times Zion has played 40 minutes in a game, given his, his injury history, Valanchunas 37 minutes. So they definitely rode those guys um, really heavily. Willie Green, obviously just, you could tell he really wanted this win. And uh, I imagine Zion probably by the end was probably getting pretty tired out as well, just given the amount of effort he was having to expend going against just the layer after layer of Bucks defense. Uh, shout out to BOK, by the way, watching the show live from London. Great job, guys. Let's go, Bucks. Shout out to everyone who's... It's late. Us- I don't know what time it is in London. I've never been to London. One place I really want to go, but shout out to everyone. All the absolute sickos all over the world that like watching Locked on Bucks. We're at 160 people in with us live now, Frank. That I believe that's a record. We've only been doing the lives for a couple of weeks here, but uh, for one point in time, I believe that might be the high is this, mark. So is, this, is this bad streaming etiquette that I'm like eating popcorn? I got Dudley here, my dog. Dudley look at that Look here. at that head on the on the knee. He's like, can you look stop uh, talking rubbish about here, Jared awesome. Dudley and look after the real Dudley? All right, let's he talk about little, Joe Ingles next. He gets next. a little popcorn for the effort. Okay. Wow, well, he deserves it. Let's, let's talk about yeah. Joe Ingles next. And then I want to ask about Marjan Bochamp, who we've seen kind of break back into the rotation. There was some interesting stuff uh, tonight. But first, let's talk about betonline.net, which is the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. If you want to see the NBA championship odds, you can do that at betonline.net. The Bucks, 22-8, and eight, best record in the NBA. But there's also NFL uh, NHL and all the other sports, college sports, college bowl season is here now. So you can find it all at betonline.net and uh, also defensive player of the year. We've had some comments in the stream saying, is it possible that the Bucks could have four all defensive players with Drew, Brooke, Giannis and Javon Carter in this game? So get the defensive player of the year odds at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Frank, let's talk about Joe Ingles. Uh, give me some credit. We're 18 and a half minutes into this podcast, and it's the first time that I've said that we're going to uh, get into this in any uh, great detail. I mean, uh, he's 15... got no points. So, I mean, like, let's, you know, it's not like we demanded, it's not like he demanded attention, let's just say, tonight. It was his first game back, right? So, a little rust for sure. Well, you know, we did discuss the Bochamp to Giannis Lob, and I think that we have to consider the fact that that was a selfish play from Marjon because just minutes earlier, uh, Joe Ingles in some pick and roll action that we've we've spoken about that we're excited to see. We've also discussed the fact that the Bucks don't exactly have the most accurate of passes sometimes when it comes to these lobs. But Joe Ingles right in the right place, nothing spectacular, business like, just getting the job done with that lob to Giannis. That was probably the highlight tonight. He had 
uh, a couple little pokeaways uh, defensively. Had some great open looks from three that just weren't able to knock down. He told Zora at halftime that he was uh, just trying to catch up to the speed of the game a little bit. And he was kind of laughing with some of those uh, open misses that he did have uh, from three. But overall, I think the 15 minutes is about where we thought it would be. Uh, we'll see if he is an every night player you know, depending on, on how he pulls up from this game. But overall, this is another key piece, Frank, that we wanted to see back in the lineup. And it was interesting because Bochamp started. He played his 16 minutes and was decent. But George Hill picks up the DMPCD. Now, this is just, you know, Middleton's going to come back in here. But it is going to be fascinating to see how this shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, bringing Grayson Allen back into the starting fire – not so much back in the starting five, but um, with Chris coming back, the fact that they've continued to start Grayson Allen. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans who jumped in and said, you're dead to me, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even recover from that. Um, need to eat some more popcorn to get, get me back. Uh, get mate, me get back yourself there. composed. We've got... Yeah, uh, Shawshank from India as well, mate. We are going global. Um, so you, Grayson Allen was was retained in the starting five when Chris Middleton comes back. Presumably, that will be the case also when Chris returns here, hopefully this week. Um, but uh, you know, interestingly, bringing I, I, and I've made the case previously why I thought maybe you keep Javon Carter in the starting five, you shield uh, Drew from maybe cut some of the effort chasing small guards. I thought we saw it tonight. You know, Javon Carter was, was again, a pest for much of the night. Interesting to see Javon Carter uh, and Jose Alvarado, you know, doing the Spider-Man mm. meme probably to each other, yeah. just sort of pestering each other um, in the backcourt. Um, but the upside of doing that is it gives you some flexibility if you're bringing Javon off the bench. Then he can be your primary backup point guard. Obviously, can be kind of seesawing back and forth with Drew. They'll play together some of the time. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to play George Hill if you don't want to or – Again, if you're just going to make him more of a, you know, once or twice a week guy rather than playing every night type guy. And obviously that was the case tonight. We'll see how this evolves. I think, you know, it's a little bit fanciful to assume that the Bucks are just going to go the rest of the regular season with everybody healthy. And, you know, you're just going to have guys that you want to play every night just being healthy scratches. So, uh, again, injuries are just going to continue to crop up, whether it's managing guys, um, you know, managing minutes, giving guys random nights off wherever it might be, or, you know, hopefully not real or long-term injuries to anybody. Um, but obviously tonight, Chris, with the sore knee, I, I looked it up. I was kind of curious. I didn't really see anybody talking about it, but this is not, this is the, I believe it was the right knee that he was termed with having soreness in. The left knee was where he had the MCL injury last playoffs. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> like that now his other knee is bothering him. Um, but it sounded like they were optimistic that he was going to play on the road trip here at some point. So again, fingers crossed that sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, either way, um, you know, I think having Javon off the bench, he played 20 minutes tonight. He had just like, I think his three turnovers were all like horrendous passes that, that like sailed into the stance. Uh, but other than that, I thought he did a really nice job uh, pestering CJ McCollum early on. Uh, obviously McCollum eventually kind of found his rhythm, but, I think he even he even had a block on CJ coming uh, coming around mm. his screen and getting a, a rear contest block. He had three steals, three assists, um, eight points on eight shots. So you know a solid shift from Javon Carter. Uh, 
but then I think the interesting piece is, yeah, I mean, as you said, looking at the rest of the bench, you know, Pat Connaughton plays 22 minutes, 11 points. I, I had not realized until like a couple days ago, I had not looked at Pat's shooting numbers. I mean, he's been way off since he came back. Like he obviously is still finding his rhythm. So it was nice to see him knock down some shots tonight. And then uh, as you expect, Bobby Portis, 22 minutes, Bobby, one of the, a rare quiet night from Bobby. He's been awesome lately. You know, thankfully tonight with, with Brooke and Giannis carrying a heavy load, they didn't need nearly as much from him, but just four points on two of five shooting. So uh, a random, you know, sort of subdued, a subdued night from, from Bobby. But um, you know, I think we expect at this point that Pat, Bobby and Javon are going to play every night. We don't know with, with Joe Ingles, um, but Joe gets 15 minutes and then Wes Matthews gets 15 minutes. And, you know, Wes, they were using Wes against Zion for a lot of the night. And I think we saw like, okay, there's limitations to what Wes can do. And just because Drew can have some success against Zion, I think, again, I think a lot of it is because what Drew does, you know, with his hands bothering him, getting poke away, slap away, Wes just isn't as good at those things as Drew. I mean, Wes is obviously a good defender, but he just doesn't have the versatility of Drew. And I thought, you know, I don't know what the numbers were Zion against West for Zion's against other guys, but you know clearly he had a harder time against Zion than than West or than Drew did. And look, West Matthews should not be able to guard Zion Williamson. I think yeah. again this was more of a tactical thing, saying we're going to put a sturdy wing against you and you know make that be the first guy you have to beat, and then hope that by the time you're getting to the rim, you know you're you're not able to really get your full explosion, your you know full uh, extension and. And you know, broken and Giannis can can kind of do do cleanup work. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought again, it, interesting to see that rotation: five guys off the bench, ten guys total. Uh, obviously, you know, when push comes to shove here, Chris comes back. You know, I expect Marjan Beauchamp's probably the odd man out, but until then, you have to give him a ton of credit. He hit early three tonight, six points, two for four, all from three. Um, you know, steal that assist to Giannis plus six and 16 minutes. I think for him, it's just consistency night tonight. He was awesome on Saturday, hit a bunch of shots. And, you know, last time he had a really big offensive night, it was that 20 point night in Oklahoma city. And he followed that up by going one for 12 over the next like three or four games combined. So again, if you're a rookie, just figuring out how you avoid those kind of deep troughs and those deep valleys. Uh, and, you know, if you're, if you're not going to have a big night, Hey, at least have a decent night. Right. And especially in a game like this, where, Giannis is playing. Obviously, Drew is playing. Brooke is having a big night. You're not looking for Marjan Beauchamp to take a bunch of shots, but just be decisive. You know, don't don't stand out for for any bad reasons on defense. I thought on Saturday he had like three plays where he kind of blew assignments and you know stood out defensively for for mistakes tonight. Honestly, I didn't really notice any real mistakes from him per se. So um, kudos to him. You know, I think again, just when you're being a young, a young guy on a on a really good team. It's just about staying ready. You never know when guys are going to be injured, rested, whatever it might be. And he's played now three straight games, gotten real minutes, even a start tonight. And uh, again, just part of his growth process. And we'll see. We'll see how much we see him on the floor here as the Bucks hopefully get healthy. Uh, but either way, you know, uh, much rather have this situation where you're thinking, oh man, a good player's going to have to sit on the bench versus where we've been at different points this season where obviously the Bucks have really been stretched thin and, you know, they're playing guys that you feel like, man, um, if only we could get one or two more guys healthy and, and you feel a lot better about your depth, but, but yeah, good win. And, you know, some good contributions from all these guys. And as you said, as far as Joe Ingles go, I, you know, that, that lob pass he had to Giannis was, 
not a lot of guys make that pass. That was not like a clear cut lob situation. And he threw that pass because he's a really good passer and credit to Giannis. He was looking for it, even though it's the first time they've played together. And, you know, again, I'm confident he'll start to knock down certainly a decent number of threes, but obviously you hope that he'll be his career 43, 40% three point shooter right off the bat. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Um, but hopefully, hopefully he has better luck than most of the Bucks roster. It seems like most of the Bucks roster, like half the guys have just been in a funk this year, not being able to hit shots consistently. Obviously with Joe, he's got a built in excuse. You don't, you know, it's hard to come back after being gone for 11 months and just immediately step in and, and have awesome rhythm. But you know, that's where obviously having that high basketball IQ is a part of it as well. So hopefully he can make other guys better, even if, you know, his own shot and some of his own stuff takes a little bit longer. Yes, and uh, we should acknowledge that one of his turnovers was actually a good turnover for you, though, Frank, because as soon as he got the rebound, he was like, I'm getting this ball to Giannis, and Giannis was just running along, basically alongside the basketball <laughs> as it was bouncing next to him. Uh, and Joe put his hand up and said, that's my fault. But, you know, he, he's got the right idea. Get, get the rebound, get the ball to Giannis, and, and run up the floor uh, to the corner and uh, see if you can knock down a three. Uh, interesting. We just, just we just need to we we need to average. You know, Joe throwing the ball to Giannis yeah. before he's even looking, versus Javon Carter like dribbling the ball up way too long yeah. and, and only giving the ball to Giannis late. Like, if we just find that happy medium, then we're gonna be we're gonna be in a good spot. Uh, that's exactly right. And uh, so, just noticing that Hill was out of the rotation tonight, and who knows if it's a one night thing. But and you said in a perfect world, everyone plays. That would be fantastic. But you get 31 minutes combined between Wes and Beauchamp. There's Middleton's minutes probably there. And if that was the nine-man rotation in a, in a perfect world that Bud wanted to go to, I think you're in a pretty good spot if you've got George Hill and Wes Matthews that aren't even in the rotation. Like, there's two pretty handy players that obviously can play uh, in, in some moments there as well. So the Bucs are in a good spot as long as they stay healthy. And I asked Justin this yesterday, Frank, but I'll ask you as we wrap up this podcast. I was thinking about it, looking at the stand-ins and the Bucks are 22 and 8. And I was thinking about, you always remember the podcasts, that the, the losing podcast for some reason. So I remember the Rockets game doing a podcast, doing the Memphis Grizzlies game, which was obviously a disaster. But overall, they're 22 and 8. It's the best record in the NBA. It doesn't necessarily feel like a lot has gone right for the Bucks so far this season. And I always just think back to the years where it's like, geez, can the Bucs get over 500? Oh, they're two games over 500. This is the greatest season of all time. And now they're just not necessarily firing on close to all cylinders, 14 games over 500 and best record in the NBA. Uh, are you surprised that just that they've been able to work through everything they've worked through to get uh, to this record? I mean, I'm definitely surprised that they're, they have the best record in the NBA. I mean, you know, the Celtics have really hit a, hit a rough spot rough patch they lose twice to the Orlando Magic at home um over the weekend which by the way we, we can get to this here at the end um amazing sports weekend for for me personally um being the diehard Messi fan I see Argentina win World Cup on Sunday the Celtics just dropping games at home to uh the Orlando Magic the Bucks win this game on Saturday night resting Chris and Giannis fun fun win over the Utah Jazz, and then tonight we got the uh, the double Bucks Packers uh, evening uh, double dip victories. Uh, it's been a pretty pretty fun little little stretch, and uh, yeah, I mean for the Bucks to be atop the Eastern Conference, you know, do I expect them to hold that over the course of a full season? 
no, I think, you know, second seed feels like probably the, the most likely place that they're going to land. Um, but, you know, Boston's gotten healthy here, of, you know, in the last week. And they, that hasn't seemed to kind of magically fix anything for them, too. I think, as we've seen with, with Chris and now we'll see him with Joe Ingles as well, you know, guys don't typically just show up and immediately get back to exactly where they were previously. So uh, the season is long. We're a little over a third of our way through the season. And, you know, I think the fundamentals as well. I mean, I think the Bucks have like the third best point differential in the East right now. Um, I think in the West, the Grizzlies, Suns, Pelicans actually all have better point differentials than the Bucks. So the Bucks, I think, have, you know, again, they're, they've outperformed their point differential a bit um, of this year so far. Uh, you know, maybe not as many sort of dominant performances as, as you'd expect to see from a team that has the record that they have. Um, but as we've been saying, right, I mean, hey, I would love to have the best point differential and the best record in the league. Um, but we know it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, I think especially when you factor in just some of the shooting struggles that, you know, some certain guys have had, obviously, Chris isn't anywhere near, you know, we haven't gotten basically anything from Chris other than a couple, you know, pretty good games. Uh, Joe Ingles played his first game tonight. Uh, and, you know, Giannis has basically not had his, his jump shot, basically anything outside of the restricted area, really working consistently all year. Obviously the free throw shooting has started to come around a bit since he moved to his new routine, but I mean, they're not, you know, I don't think they've played particularly, especially offensively. They've been pretty mediocre to, to sub, you know, well, mediocre to, to substandard what you know, six of one half dozen of the other. Uh, we saw the sack coming in this game. They were dead last on the road in offensive efficiency. So, there's a lot of headroom for this team to, to get better. And I expect we'll see that as, as Chris gets healthy, as Giannis hopefully finds a little bit better rhythm on his jump shot and some of the in-between stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the fun part is even with all that said, the defense has been obviously kind of the, the big positive Brooke Lopez, I think for me is, is the story of the first third of the season for the bucks. And uh, again, just keep, keep those key guys healthy, get everybody back to a rhythm, get the chemistry going as we've seen it work so well in the past. And, um, you know, whether you finish first or second, um, I'm, I'm you know, not going to lose sleep over that, but Hey, if you can put yourself in a position to have home court throughout the playoffs, um, I mean, if, if it means pushing yourselves a little bit more down the stretch to get the one seed, I think you got to think about that because again, I don't, I don't know if the Bucks are really going to worry about it much, but we saw last year, right? That extra game at home that Boston had in Game Seven, um, it's a nice luxury to have. So keep doing what you're doing, Bucks. Avoid any prolonged stretches of struggles, um, but we'll see, right? Let's let's take a snap. I don't want. I hope we don't have to take a snapshot of the standings today and <laughs> and punt uh, and and look back on it fondly later. Uh, because this road trip is obviously going to be a bit of a challenge, but um, kind of stay around this this level, you're going to feel pretty good about where you are at the end of the year. And, you know, again, as we said too, Cleveland, um, 21 and 11, they've won four in a row. The Nets, 19 and 12, they've won six in a row. The Sixers have won five in a row at 17, 12. I mean, some of these teams like below you are starting to surge, find their rhythm a bit. So just keep winning. Just keep winning and, and you'll feel pretty good about yourself. I think the Bucks always focus on themselves above everything else and they still have work to do, things that they can do better. And hopefully we'll see that and hopefully the record will just take care of itself. 
Well, I asked at the start of this seven-game stretch for everyone to give us their projections. And, you know, every time I do a poll like that, there's a lot of optimism. So I got some seven and O's, some six and one, and those types of things. The Bucks are currently three and one uh, with the loss. No one remembers anyway. No one's going to remember that Memphis game. So three and one. And then they've got the Cavs, the Nets, the Celtics on Christmas. Christmas only a few days away. And uh, the NBA has got to be happy with that. Bucks and Celtics, probably an easy choice uh, for the Christmas Day game. But teams looking likely like they'll be the one and two seed uh, shout out to rob for joining us for the first time live got here late rob eh, working the timing next time we'll get you here a little bit earlier and camille's in the chat as well uh, it always makes me a little bit nervous uh, frank when you've got a professional podcaster like camille in the chat we know that she's sitting there saying come on kane uh, you got to be better frank you're talking she's, too well much. she's probably she's probably waiting to see if you're gonna like you know, claim that she's going to show up on the podcast tomorrow, you know, put out the Camille bat signal. So she probably figures, well, I got to, I got to start watching these pods live now, just so I know if, if Kane's going to de- demand at the last minute, I come in and, and pod. Well, Felicia says what Memphis game. So that's exactly right. Yeah, correct. Uh, all right, Camille, can you please respond in the chat? Uh, are you available to podcast tomorrow? I don't have a podcast lined up yet. Uh, how does, 8 p.m. sounds central time. Let me know, and we'll lock that in now for the 186 people currently live in the stream. You know, these these live pods are basically staff meetings for us. So yes. shout out to shout out to the full staff. We appreciate yes. all of you guys tolerating our lack of professionalism. Meeting popcorn, feeding my dog popcorn. Um, oh, I just, but, I just uh, pa- Bucks I just win. Pa- people are people are feeling generous tonight. The Bucks just had a really nice win. You know, they'll give us a little more leash tonight. Oh, beautiful. Camille's in. So we've got a podcast uh, for tomorrow. Myself and Camille will talk about the box. We'll look ahead to the schedule uh, moving on. But all, all is well. This was one of the fun ones, as I mentioned, Frank. Uh, you know, sometimes we go through the motions a little bit with these games. The Bucks are beaten up on some crappy teams. But this one had me excited before the game. And uh, it was good to see the Bucks get through there. And uh, just one last time, shout out to Joe Ingalls. And someone put in the comment, that Joe Ingalls is even more Australian than I am, which is hard to believe. He is. He's a, he's, he's a very Australian Australian. There's no where where is that. he from in Australia? Uh, I think he's from... He might be from Adelaide. Hmm. He lived in Melbourne. Obviously played basketball in Melbourne, but uh, I believe obviously. he might have been... Obviously. <clears throat> yeah, obviously. But I think... Um, let's look. I've got the Wikipedia page up. Yeah, Adelaide. Born in Adelaide. So... That's a setback, but outside of that, he's a he's he's a good fella. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, Frank. All right. You got nothing else you want to say? Um, vamos Argentina. I'm, yes. I'm big on I'm big on the the Argentina forearm wave thing that they do, or like the double. I don't know if you've mm. seen this. They do this kind of funny thing as they sing all the Argentina songs. Um, Giannis, obviously my the, my favorite athlete of all time. Messi, my second favorite athlete of all time. I was living and dying with Argentina on Sunday morning as they were playing this World Cup final against France. And by now, everybody who's probably saw it or has heard about it, you know, everybody's saying this was probably the most entertaining World Cup final um, in history. And uh, I got to say, I was on cloud nine after my guy Messi was was lifting the World Cup. Just uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like I'm, I'm sort of at this phase of my life here where, you know, I, I, w- I watched Messi at the 2006 World Cup, got to see Argentina play Mexico. I had my Messi jersey on. Um, I feel like I'm sort of at the point in my life where 
Giannis and Messi. I will never root for players again in the same way that I rooted for those guys because I kind of, you know, I mean, Giannis, I, I was still like in my, I guess I was, man, I was 32 when Giannis came to the league. So I was already pretty old, but, um, but with Messi, I was, you know, early to mid twenties. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's just harder to be a fan of like, you know, 20 to 25 year old guys when you're like in your mid to late forties, probably. So that plus the fact that those guys are just like generational, we're never going to see a guy like Giannis in Milwaukee again. We may never see a guy like that period in, in, in on planet earth play basketball the way Giannis does. And Messi for me is the greatest of all time world cup or not. So uh, yeah, I don't know. This was just a fun, fun, fun to appreciate greatness. And uh, I don't know. My, my view is, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm a Bucks fan seeing Giannis do it um, was the most incredible thing just because I got to see it with this community you know, everybody listening to this pod, we all got to enjoy that experience together. Messi, it's different because I'm not Argentinian. You know, I don't have a bunch of, I don't do a podcast about <laughs> Leo Messi or, or Barcelona or, or PSG or, or the Argentine national team. So I've had to enjoy that more individually on my own and with, with various friends that, that follow soccer. But, um, but yeah, just really fun when, uh, when these great athletes, you get to see them do incredible, incredible things. And, um, I will, uh, I will let you say this, that that closes the chapter in my soccer sports fandom in a, in a really nice way. And, um, you know, I know UK had had a pretty awesome experience seeing, um, you know, Geelong win another championship in the past year. So it's just a, a great, you know, call it year and a half now at this point for Kane and Frank between obviously first and foremost, the Bucks, but also now me getting to see Messi win and, I, I shed a tear. I mean, I was tearing up when I saw them win on Sunday. I teared up a little bit when they won the Copa America a year ago because that was his first senior major senior trophy with with uh, Argentina. But um, but yeah, man, just uh, sports are dumb. They don't matter, but sometimes they do. And uh, you know, look here, two hundred people on the on the live stream t- hearing us talk about a, a random professional basketball game. That's that's pretty cool and speaks to the power of community, the power of sports. So. Shout out to everybody, and I think I managed to drag this pod on as usual another six, seven minutes longer than it needs to be, but so it goes. Well, uh, the good news is that nobody was less enthralled in the messy chat than me, <laughs> so everyone else was at least. Did you watch slightly... any? Did you watch a minute of of World Cup soccer? No. What time was the game on? It was must have been on a really bad time for you. Though, right? Two a.m. I didn't even know what the score yeah. was. I know Argentina won because I tell you why I know Argentina won because they set down a challenge to the Deer District because the celebrations in the streets in Argentina made the Deer District look like a pissy little house party. So when the Bucks win the title this year, you're going to get millions, millions and millions of people <laughs> on the streets in Milwaukee. So that's uh, the challenge. I'll be there. Did, I'll be. In the did you see the drone footage? Did you see the drone Incredible. footage of Buenos Aires? I mean. Yeah, just uh, it, it honestly looked like a video game. It looked like a video game, like what the FIFA guys would come up with for the video game after you win a world championship with uh, with a World Cup with with Argentina. Just millions of people must have, I mean, hundreds of thousands. I don't know how many it was, but in the center square on this obelisk in downtown Buenos Aires, and uh, just really cool. And again, I think you know, I mean, we've obviously talked about it in terms of like the basketball, whether it's Euro Basket, the World Cup the Olympic basketball tournament. Um, there is as much as basketball, especially in America, we don't appreciate the national team stuff as much. Cause we honestly, we take it for granted, but in a sport like soccer where 
you know, there isn't any team that just goes out and wins, you know, three quarters, 80% of the, of the gold medals um, to win any tournament, you know, world cup euros, Copa America, whatever it might be is, is really special. And, you know, the fact that these, these world cups only happen once every four years. Um, I was actually annoyed. Lane and Donovan made this thing about like, Oh, ima-, you know, before the game was like, Oh, imagine if, you know, LeBron James hadn't won a, an NBA championship or whatever. And it's just like, no, it's not like that. This is not like LeBron, you know, winning his first NBA title. He can do that literally any year. Right? <laughs> and he doesn't have the weight of an entire freaking country resting on his shoulders to do this. Right. So um, yeah, world cup, incredible, incredible event. And uh, it was bullshit that I was in Qatar in the first place, but whatever, it's over. It was a great tournament, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, to being in the U.S. and Canada and Mexico in, uh, in four years. So that's locked on soccer. It's a wrap. That's it. Thank goodness we don't have to talk about it. stinking soccer for four years. <laughs> this is locked on Bucks, though, and we absolutely – and, of course, I'm joking. Shout out to everyone that loves soccer. It's, 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 it's a beautiful game, but no, I, I don't have enough time. But I do have enough time for Locked On Bucks. Camille's going to be back tomorrow. Thanks to everyone for jumping in. Just a huge number of people uh, that came in today. And it's a lot of fun. Seriously, this has added a different little dimension to Locked On Bucks. And we love it uh, with all the conversation and the debate amongst yourselves in the chat while we're doing the podcast as well. So if you're here for the first time, subscribe, turn the notifications on, and you'll get uh, a little uh, note every time we go live. Uh, we look forward to catching you guys next time. Like I said, myself and Camille tomorrow. Bucks beat the Pelicans. Good night all around. Catch us tomorrow.